The title of the message is Fan Into Flame. So I want to start with a quick question. Anyone here enjoy camping? Okay, we can't be friends. I think about camping and it's just everything that is wrong for me in the world. And I make no apology for the fact that actually this sermon was inspired by watching an advert. How many pastors would put their hand up to that? Unfortunately, due to copyright, we can't show you the advert. It was an advert from Airbnb. But I want you to take a moment, picture the scene. Young couple, gone camping. It's pouring with rain. It's windy. It's not cool. And he's trying desperately to get some timber and some embers together to get a little fire going to stay warm. And then it cuts to this glorious log cabin with a roaring fire, marshmallows, comfortable sofas, and Airbnb say, use Airbnb, don't go camping. And it got me thinking a little bit in my own life. It gave me two spiritual parallels for us to consider. I wonder, in our own Christian journey and walk, do we settle? Do we settle in life for stuff that's convenient, ahead of actually what God might want to teach us in those moments? Because Airbnb was saying very clearly, hey, settle for comfort. Embrace the comfort. That's what you need. That's what you deserve. And yet they had originally gone on a camping trip. And then I think to myself, in our own hearts, in our own lives, did we once have a roaring fire and passion and flame burning brightly for Jesus that's over time not been cared for, not been nurtured, and has slowly but surely started to die out, just like that little fire that they were trying to build. And so I have one goal for our time together this afternoon, and that's to help you find that small spark, that ember that you might be holding onto this afternoon so that you can become a roaring flame of passion and fire and zeal for Jesus everywhere you go. Amen? Amen. So I think about fires. I have to admit, like at school, Nobody. I mean, I had a PhD at 14 with a Bunsen burner. You know, at school, always sat at the back of the class. The teacher would say, you can turn the Bunsen burner on now. And I'd get, like, my homework that I hadn't done or a book. And you could just, like, set fire to stuff. Like, I was brilliant at it. They always had the fire extinguisher near me uh, at the end of the class. But it made me think in our own lives that you don't see a fire. It doesn't just start by chance. You think of the fires in California, you think of the fires in Australia, something sparks, and then what happens? It consumes everything in its path. And I wonder this afternoon, can I help set a spark in your life that will consume everything in your path? Perhaps it's discouragement this afternoon that needs to be burned up, disappointment, division in your family. What are the issues in your life that God needs to burn and destroy and cause a flame to grow in your life. So I want to read for us briefly 2 Timothy 1, verses 3 through 7, but a core focus on, sorry, 2 Timothy 1, 3 through 7. It's Paul, and he's speaking to Timothy. It's probably one of my favorite relationships in the scriptures because Paul doesn't just have Timothy in a classroom teaching him stuff. He takes him on mission. And Paul at this point is slightly longer in his walk. He's grown up, he's mature, and he's now helping Timothy to overcome some of the challenges. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience 
as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Can we get an amen in the house this afternoon? And so briefly, the context for this is that Paul is super conscious of the fact that Timothy is starting to wane in his walk with God. He's starting to be discouraged. His perseverance is deteriorating. His confidence in himself and, and God is starting to wane. And Paul has been there. And so he's trying to encourage Timothy by saying, hey, here are some things that you can deploy that will help you fan into flame the gift that God has given you. You know that your life is worth more than just like going to work to get a paycheck, being entertained. Those things are so meaningless in God's eyes compared to what he has called you to do. And here's a thought. Do you want to grow in your Christian faith and walk? If so, you need to belt yourself in because you're going to go through trials and tribulations. Amen? Can I hear an amen in the house? Amen. amen. So here's my big question for you this afternoon. What do you do in your life to stay on fire for the Lord? Take a moment. The answer shouldn't be, I come to church. That tells us that you're alive, praise God. It doesn't tell us that anything's happening in your life. It says that you're here and you're alive. But what do you do? If I invited you to the platform and I said, lay it, down, lay it on the line, tell me, what do you do to fan into flame the gift that God has given you? What would you say? I want to distribute three W's for you. So if you're a football fan, you'll know if you see a team and they've got W's next to them, they're building momentum. They're going from victory to victory. Amen. And we're going to do that in Jesus' name. Number one, warfare. Thank God we are members of KTLCC. Amen. Come on, can we give God praise? I think that's something worth giving God praise for. Warfare. That we are not just in a holy huddle in the corner here making popcorn prayers to God. No, I think we need to remind ourselves of our heritage and our history of who we are as spirit-filled, Bible-believing, tongue-talking Christians who are passionate and on fire for God. Amen. Amen. So one of the first strategies to find victory is to deploy spiritual warfare in your life. And I just wonder in our lives, has that fallen away? Has that waned? Has that been relegated to the margins of our lives in favor of other things? Because when we start to deploy this as a strategy, the enemy shakes. Amen. We claim victory. We need to stir up the gift of intercession, praying in the spiritual realm. Don't fall into the thinking that the enemy is not interested in your life. Oh yes, the enemy is interested in your life. And Paul tells us to put on the full armor of God. Amen? And I think as Christians we need to learn to rise up, exercise the spiritual authority that God has given us, know who and what the truth is, also know what is false, 
and start to stand strong against the forces of darkness in this world. The American evangelist John G. John G. Lake said it this way, speaking in tongues is the voice of God speaking through you. When did you last deploy that as a strategy in your own heart, in your own life? Can I encourage you this afternoon, friends? Start your day with warfare. Every day, the enemy wakes up and he's wanting you. Through your social media, through what the mainstream media show you, every challenge, every trial, the obvious and the hidden is all, all orchestrated to stop you fulfilling God's plan and purpose for your life. And we have the answer. We have the victory. Christ in us, the hope of glory. I just wonder what we, we, what we don't use, we lose. We need to start exercising our spiritual muscles, start recovering the ground that's been lost, starting to stand on the Word of God, trusting in His promises, and declaring victory over every single area and arena of our lives. That is where we will find glory and victory, wholeness and freedom in the name of Jesus Christ. 1 John 4 verse 4 tells us, little children, you are from God and you have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. If you're sitting here this afternoon wondering, well, hang on a minute, you know, I'm not really sure about this praying in tongues, what does it actually achieve? Let me tell you, destroys any works of the flesh in your life because it keeps your flesh in complete submission and surrender to the Spirit of the living God. But God will also be talking to you. It will keep your heart pure. It will keep your mind focused on the things of heaven, not the ways of the world. It will also encourage you, it will edify you, it will stir you up, it will nourish you in your soul. Pray God's words back to Him. Find some Psalms. I'm a sucker for the Psalms. Find some Psalms. Start with Psalm 91, Psalm 23, Psalm 100, and just start reading that back to God. Start declaring the protection, the favor, the goodness, the joy of God back to God, and you will see victory. The Word of God declares that it is a gift to each and every single believer, and these signs will accompany all those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. Jesus sent out the 72 in Luke 10. They returned amazed and said to him, Hey, even the demons are subject to your name. Wow. They were completely confused. They didn't understand why. Verse 19 informs us why. Behold, I have given you, who? Us, the body of Christ. Amen? This is not available to anyone and everyone. This is available to you as a seasoned, strong Christian. I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over the power of the enemy. Nothing shall hurt you. Can we declare that together? Nothing shall hurt me. Amen. I tell you what, friends, do that for 10, 15 minutes every single morning. You'll start to see a shift in how you see yourself and the authority that God has blessed you with. The second element, the second W for our lives is the word. Yeah, I know what you're thinking. Cheap shot, obvious starting point, blah, blah, blah. No, run with me for a second. Don't just read God's Word. I want you to think about how you feed on God's Word. And what I mean by that is, don't do with the Word of God what I do with pizza. I just gobble it, bang. I don't even taste it. It's straight, bang, 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 in the mouth, down. 
Take time to actually nourish yourself. Get the nutrients into you. Enjoy it. Taste it. The word of God declares, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen? John 6, 57 says, As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. You know, the word of God is your tool against every attack, every trap, every lie, every challenge in this world. It's not about memorizing this. I know loads of Christians that can quote chapter and verse. They don't know the context, and they don't live it in their lives. Friends, can I encourage you? Don't just read the Word of God. Feed on the Word of God. Let it sit in your spirit. This is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. There is not a single problem in your life that cannot be captured by this Word. Amen. There's nothing in this world that will ever, ever overarch the Word of God. But I sometimes wonder, do we only open it on Sundays? Do we open it only in our cell meetings? Do we go to the verses that we know? But actually, take time to feed on the Word of God. Allow it to fill your heart. Don't allow anything else to start feeding your heart and your soul. You know the longest psalm in the Bible? Does anyone know? Okay. 119. Psalm 119. There are 176 verses in that psalm, if you're wondering. So get nervous if ever any pastor says, I'm going to preach from Psalm 119. You're going to be there for a minute. But Psalm 119, verse 105, tells us, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If you want to stretch your faith, if you want to overcome every trial, if you want to deepen your trust in God, read His Word. Amen? Take time not just to read it, but to meditate on it. Feast on the Word of God. Let it become the blueprint of your life where you don't just know the Word of God, but the Word of God knows you. Somebody said, and I can't remember who, it wasn't me, so I can't take credit. The Word of God is the only book that you will ever read that requires the presence of the author. It's a great quote. It's a deep quote. And so take time to actually, don't just go through your day reading it like you read the newspaper. This will give you the answer and the antidote to every single problem, every single trial in your life. There are no other options presented for us. We know in Romans 10 verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. It's a really simple formula for us to embrace. Because you know, everything that you've encountered, Jesus has already experienced it all. He's claimed victory for you. He went to the cross for you. Your goal, your job is to enforce the victory that Jesus gave us. Amen? And the third element, which I want us to really think about this afternoon, is our worship. When I think about worship, I can't lie. I can't sing very well. I'm all heart, no substance. But isn't it easy to worship God when things are going well? Oh man, we can pour out praise then. We can dance the way David danced then. And so actually, it's not really worship that I want to touch on this afternoon. It's sacrificial worship. When it's hard. Because life gets tough. Challenges are always present. You feel like you're being buffeted and pushed from pillar to post and you don't really know what's going on. 
Are those the moments that we withdraw and retreat and find comfort in our previous habits and attitudes, mindsets and thinking? Or do we allow sacrificial praise to become our portion? It's hard. We've got to learn to praise God in the hallway, not just when we get to the blessing. It's so easy, isn't it, as Christians to worship God and give Him glory and honor when you get that promotion, when you get engaged, when you buy your first home, when you get a pay rise. Well, God is good, isn't He? Amen. What about when you didn't get that promotion? When you and your girlfriend kind of split up? When you weren't able to buy that house? How do you feel then? You know, God is still good then. Amen? God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Amen? And so I wonder in our own hearts and in our own lives, how do we find our worship? How do we find our hearts before God in those moments? You know, Psalm 100 is very clear. There's five verses. You can read it. But in verse 2, he declares, Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. That's not your regular Sunday worship. That's easy. I'm talking about that sacrificial worship where you worship God regardless of how you feel. And so I wonder when the last time was that you were able to do that in your own heart, in your own life. It might feel tough, it might be tiring, but God's Spirit is attracted to you in those moments. Sacrificial worship is never easy. Often we are led by our feelings and our emotions. Or is that just me? And yet you look at the life of David. What did David do? He was discouraged. Three, four thousand of his own men. These guys are wiped out. They're not interested, demotivated, discouraged. What did David do? David discovered how to delight himself in the Lord. And that's not just a nice antidote. That's not just a Sunday sermon answer. That is a lifestyle of worship and praise and surrender and submission to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in our lives. You know, right the way through the Old Testament, the priests, by the way, you're a priest, you're a royal priesthood in this house, amen? They kept the fire on the altar burning by bringing faithful, consistent, sacrificial offerings. They were not one-off events. Maybe you're like me and you've done, had moments in your Christian work where you're like, ah, oh, man, I don't want to worship God. I am not in the mood. But you know what? I'm going to do it just one time, just in case, as a dismissive thought, thinking maybe something will happen. But you know, in that moment, God's heart is turned towards you. You know, God is for you. Amen? Even in the biggest trial, in the biggest challenge, in the biggest circumstance, God is for you. Perhaps today, the fire of the Holy Spirit needs to burn up some despair, some disappointment, some discouragement, maybe some distress in your life. Because you know, when you praise God, do you know what you're doing? You are pouring petrol on a fire. You're using an accelerant that is going to grow, that is going to consume everything in its path. When you think about those fires out in California and Australia, it sears through hundreds and hundreds of hectares of ground. Nothing stops it. It eventually actually burns itself out more often than not. And I wonder if our hearts can be like that before God, that we can find ourselves with just a little spark, something that we can hold on to, that God can pour some petrol on today that will cause us to burn with a flame and a passion and a zeal for God like never before. And may He burn up every spirit of discouragement, 
division, turmoil, distress in your life, and you will leave this place changed and transformed. Amen? Because God is worthy of our praise in each and every season. You will shift the way you see your life when you pour out your praise and your worship to God. And just like those Old Testament priests, you do it because God is good. Psalm 66 tells us, all the earth worships you and sings praises to you. I heard this narrative in a song during a worship song list. I think it was Bethel Elevation Worship, and it made me think for a minute. I wonder for some of us if worship is a blockage for this exact reason. She said in between two songs, sometimes we sing songs because we're sure. Other times we sing songs until we are sure. And I wonder in our own lives, are there worship songs that maybe we know are true, but we struggle to communicate them, we struggle to sing them because it's maybe not true for us right now today? And I wonder if God wants to bless us. Because maybe you're here today and you're singing songs without connecting to the truth, the enormity of the words. Maybe you're going through the motions of life. Can I encourage you, draw a line under that today. As you worship God, you will build spiritual intimacy with God. And so I have only one question, one call, one commitment challenge to you today. Do you want to fan into flame your gift from God? Do you want that spark, that striking of a match, that cigarette lighter that I know no one's got in this building, that little flicker of flame, do you want that to become an all-consuming fire? Do you want that to burn up your trials and challenges? Because you know, whatever you practice, you'll get good at. So if you practice not reading the Word, you practice not engaging in spiritual warfare, you practice not worshipping God, you're going to get really good at not doing those things. Equally, if you can find the strength today to say, you know what, man, I haven't been reading my word, my word or I only read the word actually when the pastor tells me to turn to whatever. Maybe today God is wanting to spark something in your life. God is wanting to build a bit of an ember that will help you grow. Because you know you possess a gift from God. That's what really, in essence, that's what Paul was telling Timothy. You've been given a gift. You yourself are a gift. He's not trying to manufacture something or, or, or coerce something here. He's appealing to Timothy, stoke the fire that is already within you, or it will die out. And then we start to go back to the Airbnb advert, where we settle for comfort, where there was a roaring passion. It's now just a slowly dying campsite fire that will eventually turn to ash and no longer serve its purpose for why it was manufactured and created in the first place. I don't want that for us. I don't want that for our lives individually or corporately. So can you make that prayer today, friends, that every gift that you've been given from God will reach its full potential and power? It's interesting that Paul said, fan into flame that gift. He's used there a present tense infinitive verb, which basically means this is a consistency. This is not a one-off event but maybe today is your day one. 
and over the weeks that lie ahead, as you stoke that fire, as you caress that fire, as you take care of that, as you learn to put accelerants on it, like the word, like worship, like warfare, that fire will start to get bigger and stronger and you will take on more responsibility in your life, more responsibility in the body of Christ. The Bible says he trusts you in small things, he'll give you the larger things. But that fire's got to grow. That fire's got to take root and take hold in our lives. Amen? So if you're sitting here discouraged, what is the solution? Paul tells Timothy in his solidarity, it is your persevering family. You can read later in the chapter that Timothy then has actually got solidarity with Paul himself in his suffering. And yet right between the middle are the verses that I've actually just read for us. Fanning into flame. So can you stand with me this afternoon, KT? And right where you are, what you decide to confront in your life, you will conquer. Nothing to be ashamed of this afternoon if you're struggling in any one of those three areas or all three. But you know, there's a gift inside you. There's a gift inside you. And some of us don't even believe that. And God wants to fan that gift into flame. And it might well be just a tiny little spark right now. And that's okay.